A recent article from technologyrecord.com states the following. It says, Cosmic, Microsoft, and Walmart to invest $3 million in tech education. The Cosmic U.S. Foundation, Microsoft Philanthropies, and Walmart.org are investing $3 million in CodePath.org to increase inclusion and diversity in computer science through education. This got me thinking, what if all these organizations that are pouring money into tech actually poured it into organizations affiliated with the Black Equity Network? For example, our guest today is Tamar Huggins of TechSpark Canada. TechSpark is Canada's first tech and design school committed to empowering girls and children of color through innovative education. They exist to teach children and teens that they are much more than consumers and that they hold the power to become creators and innovators. We are blessed today to have Tamar Huggins join us on the show. I am DJ Motri of the Black Equity Network, and this is the Black Equity Podcast. Black Equity listeners, we are here for another great episode of the Black Equity Podcast. Uh, Definitely excited about this conversation. It's the first time we've ever had a conversation with someone who's outside of the country. Uh, This is a conversation around uh, technology, around education, and really looking forward to the wisdom that we can learn today. On the line, we have Tamar Huggins of TechSpark. Tamar, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. Thank you for having me, DJ. You're very welcome. Uh, For those who don't know, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your company. Yes. So I am the founder and the executive director of TechSpark Canada, and we focus on redesigning STEM curriculum so that it's culturally responsive and really increases the engagement, retention, and rigor of Black and Brown students across Canada. We also train Canadian teachers on how to deliver the redesigned programs, and we also work with organizations who have access to youth who are looking at bringing culturally responsive tech programming into their space. Awesome. Awesome. How did you get into this sector? How did you land uh, in this area? Well, in 2012, I started an organization called Driven Accelerator Group, and it was the first accelerator of its kind in Canada 
to ever provide access to mentorship, training, um, and access to capital to Black, female, and newcomer tech startup founders. So essentially, we existed to provide a platform and a voice for underrepresented founders in technology. And we realized that after about two years of running um, the cohorts, we've helped our cohorts raise about $1.1 million collectively, which back in 2012 was a huge deal for us. And we realized as an organization that in order to really create sustainable impact, we had to start looking at education and start looking at training young people because we weren't seeing the amount of Black founders applying for the program as we had hoped, just because we felt that the market was almost not ready for what we had to offer. So there weren't a lot of people who were ready for the programming um, that we were offering at the advanced stage that we were offering it. So we decided to take several steps back and pivot and really look at how we could engage young Black students in technology to begin with so that in the future, we could see them acting as entrepreneurs in the space. I love it. And congratulations on raising that one point. One million dollars. Uh, I think sometimes we, you know these great legendary things are happening, and we just kind of gloss over them. So I just want to take that moment to say congratulations and thank you for the work that you are doing. Thank you, I appreciate it. You're very welcome. So somebody's listening right now. Uh, they're you know they're hearing your story. They're they're wanting to learn more. Why is technology so key? for the youth to learn? What, what is it about technology that maybe people don't know about that, that is so vital uh, to uh, developing a young mind? Mm-hmm. Great question. So for me, I look at technology as a language, not a coding language, but I look at it as a language in which we use to communicate with one another, just like how we use English. And technology is one of those fields that is really shaping the way that our world works um, economically, socially, culturally. And if we don't see the individuals who are consuming technology, which are Black people, Latinx people, if we don't see them as creators in that space, it causes a host of problems. Um, I firmly believe that their diversity can only exist Um when there is creativity and creativity can only exist when there's diversity, diversity in skill set and thought, experience, etc. And if we as a community don't get our young people involved in technology, they will get left behind and our community will get left behind again. Uh, when we look at things like artificial intelligence and how it's being used to perpetuate issues um, like racism in the Black community with policing, we need to be able to have our voice in those settings so that when technology is being developed, it's being developed with the end users in mind, and it's not being developed as a tool to oppress or suppress 
our communities. And so this is the biggest reason why we need to see a representation of Black people as creators and technology, not because it's the hot thing to do, not because, you know, it's, it's you can make a lot of money. Those things are all true and great, but it's really about the impact in the future. And if we don't speak up and if we don't have our voices heard in the creation of what will eventually rule our society, uh, it can definitely work against our young people. So let's do it. Let's speak up. Let's take this episode to really dive into some of the uh, problem areas that we're seeing that technology can uh, either solve or or help in some way. Mm -hmm. We mentioned artificial intelligence dealing with racism, uh, especially uh, police using artificial intelligence to identify uh, uh, potential uh, issues. Yes. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, so uh, we talked about artificial intelligence, uh, racism, and you know police using uh, using that technology to potentially uh, be harmful. Let me ask you this: in Canada, you're in Toronto, yes. correct? Is is what we're seeing in America or uh, North America? I'm sorry, United States. Are you seeing the same type of issues in Toronto as far as police brutality? Is that an issue there as well? It's definitely, I feel like policing is definitely an issue. It's, it's always been an issue with our community, um, just like it has been, you know, in the United States. I would definitely say that the degree or the severity that we've seen in the United States is not on the same comparison level as it is in Canada. With, with Canada, our racism is more subtle, Right. So our racism shows up in ways where um, you might be blocked from certain opportunities or um, you might be excluded from certain groups. It's not always as overt as, you know, kids being shot dead in the streets by police, Um, kids being, you know, put in a chokehold because they were eating in a public place, you know, things like that. I'm not saying that they don't happen. I'm not saying that, that we don't have issues with the police. Um, we definitely do. And I feel like organizations um, have brought that up. Like Black Lives Matter Toronto has brought up issues with policing uh, within the Black communities in Toronto. Um, it's still an issue, 100%, but definitely not as severe as the United States. And I think that that's a good thing because I really feel that the United States sets the trend um, for uh, many things for the world. And I feel like there are examples that we can learn from and we can get ahead of. And I feel like that's one of the opportunities that we have living in this country is to be able to see what's going wrong and what we can do to be proactive instead of reactive so that we can really mitigate those issues um, and risks that we're seeing in the community with technology and, and policing. Thank you for sharing that. What are some other areas where you can see technology being a huge benefit uh, to maybe equal the playing field, whether it be in the United States, in Canada, or around the world? I definitely see technology um, really being beneficial through education. I really feel that education needs to really reflect 
technology and the way that we're moving and and what we're being able to create. And I really feel that, you know, there's a lot of great things that are happening in other countries around the world that we may not really think about, like different countries in Africa, Nigeria, Ghana, that are really making a lot of moves and finding solutions to problems that they have in their own communities, using things like design thinking and creating technology technological solutions to solve those community-based issues. So I really feel that technology has a place in a lot of different areas, education, um, social, community issues. So it's definitely something that's being interwoven into almost every single industry. And I think that there's a report that's out that says, you know, in the next couple of years, um, every company will essentially be a technology company. Um, I don't think that education is excluded from that. And so we need to really get ahead of the curve and ensure that we are teaching our young people the skills that they need, not only to create, but also how to navigate those spaces, right? Because we don't see a, a large a percentage or representation of black and brown people at the leadership level in technology companies or at the creator level. And so we want to ensure that we're also teaching our young people the soft skills that they need to navigate those areas. Things like collaboration, teamwork, understanding culture, and understanding how to build their own spaces as well and create opportunities to learn and to grow from other people. So it's definitely an industry that's creeping its way into almost everything that we have access to. And speaking of education, uh, you've, you're finding a way to leverage uh, technology to be able to uh, unite uh, United States and, and Canada uh, educators. Can you tell us a little bit about that program? Yes, thank you. So we've recently launched a initiative called TechSpark Ignite. And Ignite essentially was designed to really infiltrate the education system to really look at why students aren't engaging in academic STEM courses. And we found that the reason why it's happening is because youth culture has been stripped um, from the education system, not just in you know the science and the mathematics, but from the education system as a whole. Um, Neo-Indigenous youth um, do not have their culture represented. They often have their culture looked down upon. And we want to flip that around. We want to be able to utilize their culture and things that they are used to and the way that they communicate with each other, the, you know, the music that they listen to, um, taking those aspects and incorporating it into the sciences, technology, engineering, the math, the literacy, to really increase the rigor and the engagement of Black students, because we know that they're more than capable. But oftentimes what we see in the education system is that Young people are being stripped of opportunities before they even see the opportunities. And so we want to get ahead of that with TechSpark Ignite by working with school boards across Canada and even into the United States and looking at the way that STEM and literacy is being taught in their urban schools and redesigning and, and shifting the mindsets 
of the administrators and the teachers who are responsible for these young people and their future, and really looking at how we can incorporate um, their learning styles or cultural learning styles into the school system so that it's normal and it's accepted. And working with teachers to develop their skills, develop their understanding of youth culture, um, shifting their mindset, making them more aware of their biases um, when it comes to Indigenous, neo-Indigenous students, and being able to really consider the success, the academic success of their students, and understand that their success is really in their hands and that they have a lot of responsibility when it comes to preparing young people for the future. But before we can prepare them for the future, we have to understand them. We have to understand, you know, how they learn, where they come from, what barriers they're facing, how they communicate, you know, what stresses them out, what are they interested in, and making sure that we're able to make that genuine connection with our students before we can connect them to the content. And I feel that that's something that's missing from the educational atmosphere. And we're looking to really bring that into the space and normalize it so that we can really see the success of Black and Brown students increase. Thank you for that. How receptive have these school boards been, uh, these school systems been in embracing uh, technology? I, I know you're looking to work with uh, school boards and uh, different school mm. systems within both uh, mm. countries. But I'm wondering how receptive are they to, hey, we need to embrace a new era. Has Have you seen there, there be a lot of pushback? No, you know what? I would say that there are some school boards that are much more innovative than others. And so those are the ones that we tend to um, work with first. So those are the ones who, you know, they understand the challenges. They've already done the work with the communities to understand their grievances and their stress points. And they are actively looking for organizations in the community like TechSpark who can help to, you know, solve some of the challenges that are stopping students, um, neo-Indigenous students from being successful in schools. So it's definitely, I mean, anytime you're trying to change a system or infiltrate a system from any perspective, there's always going to be a challenge because you're dealing with, you know, years of oppressive behaviors and policies that have been created specifically um, to keep students in a cage. Uh, we've seen that happen with the Carlisle schools. Uh, we've seen that happen in Canada with the um, Indigenous schools here where culture is being stripped um, you know, behaviors are, are are being altered and, and really shaped to be very Eurocentric and having that standard set as what is acceptable. And anything that goes against that um, creates issues where we see things like students being suspended just for being themselves, um, for talking in their own languages. You know, and we want to really work with the school board so that they understand these challenges. And the first step is to always work with organizations that get it, that are already doing the work and allowing them to be the evangelist um, and the advocates for other groups that might take a little longer to get on board. And I think that's something that happens with 
any type of product. I mean, Apple does this as well. You know, they always work with like the early adopters. Um, they always work with the individuals who um, are going to be the evangelists for the brands, those people that are going to encourage the the late adopters or the laggards to to come on board. It Sometimes it takes a lot of effort and time to, you know, work with people who are very, very set in their ways, but we can't we can't really, you know, avoid those teachers who are receptive. They might be the new teachers who just graduated. They might be the teachers that have been only been teaching in the school systems for about two or three years. Um, and they understand, they see the problems. So we work with them first and we try not to allow, um, you know, any negativity to stop us from doing the work. But we do know that, um, any time that there's a challenge against any type of system, there's definitely going to be some pushback, but we're definitely ready for that. Now, Tamar, I'm noticing something about you as I'm listening to you. I'm hearing a person who's a visionary. Would that 100%. be accurate? <laughs> All right. And so since you're a visionary, I want to I want to dive into your mind mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, what is it like to have a vision come yeah. to you um, mm-hmm. and come through you and to carry that vision and have that responsibility? I think that's an important conversation for uh, men or women who are listening to this who have a vision but maybe haven't really gone towards it uh, why what is it what is it like what is that responsibility like knowing you have a vision and you're carrying that vision the responsibility is extremely great and I believe that this is something that I was born and destined to do and so because of that I I execute vision with a lot of boldness because I know that I'm operating in the areas that I'm supposed to operate in. And so that gives me a lot of confidence, but it's a wonderful feeling to, you know, to be able to receive this vision and to be able to execute it and to see, you know, the fruits of your labor. And I think that, you know, everyone has their own purpose. Everyone has you know, the, the ways that they, they navigate. Some people are really great at connecting others. Some people are really great at, you know, creating things from scratch. Some people are good at, you know, making things better. Some people are really good at, you know, having that high level vision. They can see into the future and they know what needs to be done and who needs to be put into place. And I think being able to understand what role you play in all of that plan um, would really help everyone to be confident to to move their own missions and visions forward as well. But it's it's a great responsibility. It's something that I I don't take lightly at all. I am very honored to have been given this opportunity to do this work, um, to trailblaze, to um, pioneer. It's hard. It's 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 definitely not something that's easy. It's it can be hard personally. Um, you know, it can be challenging to grow professionally because of, you know, the challenges. Again, whenever you're challenging a system, there's always going to be pushback. And I don't think that, um, you know, everyone is built for everything, but I know, you know, God definitely built me um, strong for this. So I am more than grateful. Well, you led right into my next question. It's almost like you knew I was going to ask it. You say God uh, built you, uh, Mm -hmm. prepared you. The next question I literally was going to handle was, how were you as a child? How were you as a student? 
what were some of the things that you noticed as a student where you, you know, in the back of your mind and maybe subconscious, you're like, Ooh, I got to fix this one day. What are some of those things that you saw growing up? So For me as a child growing up, I was always independent. Um, always very charismatic. I, you know, love to do work and I love to work diligently and work hard. That's something that was always instilled in me from my parents and um, my teachers, um, which I'm so grateful for because I really believe that they shaped me, helped shape me for, you know, the work that I'm doing right now. Um, it wasn't until I got into high school when I realized that I had... I would say, what is the word that I'm looking for? I feel like I had a lot more than the students that I was around in terms of the support systems that I had at home. I re- I recognized that there were students who, you know, didn't have an older sister, an older brother who encouraged them to set, you know, proper um, examples for them, who, you know, had parents who were very much involved in their education and their educational success. And um, I also recognized early that I was one of the few students who knew exactly what they wanted to do um, once they left high school and where they wanted to go, and what they wanted to do with their life. Um, even just going back to grade seven, I always knew I wanted to be in business. I had no idea, you know, what business administration was. But when my grade seven teacher gave me this career book to look at, that was the one thing that stood out to me. It just it sounded regal. It felt like it. I belonged in that space. And so I began to pursue it in different realms. Um, it wasn't until when I graduated high school, when one of my former teachers had asked me to come back to speak to a group of Black girls. Um, And it was after that meeting that I realized that there was a young lady there who um, was a teen mother, and she was struggling a lot. She was struggling with work. She was struggling with the father of her child. She wasn't getting support from her um, mother, and just really feeling like the school system just was set up setting her up to fail and she had no idea what to do where to go and I feel like in that moment for me I felt a lot of empathy and sympathy for her because I felt like that that isn't right every child should have a support system every child should be encouraged by their teachers every child should have opportunities to succeed no matter how many times they fall and for me it it really hurt my heart and it really pained me to see that even though I wasn't a teen mom I, I couldn't relate to her on that level but I always knew because I had the support systems and I had um, people pushing me. I just felt like that was something that every child deserves to have, even if they didn't have it. And it wasn't until, you know, one day I was in church and, you know, my pastor at the time said, whatever pains you, whatever really bothers you is an indication to what your calling is. And it brought me back to that moment with that young young lady when I was listening to her story and, 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 and it was very emotional and just feeling like it wasn't right. And I, and I felt like I had to do something. I had to show these young people that someone cared about them. If, even if it wasn't me directly, it could be shaping the way that they're, school experience was. It could be shaping the way that 
you know, their, their career experience would be in, in the future. I, I knew I had to do something. And I felt like that at that moment um, in 2010, that is when that fire was ignited in me to do this work. Dope, dope. And I'm, I'm so glad that you, you followed, uh, followed that, that wisdom that was uh, given to you on that day uh, by your pastor. I found that too. Whenever something's by, uh, something truly gets underneath your skin, it's probably because you're called to do it. You're the person that can see it. A lot of people walk by, walk by these problems every day and they say, Oh yeah, it's a problem. And they just keep going. And so for it to really bother you or really strike a chord, uh, that typically means, okay, there, there's something yes, more to this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's unfortunate sometimes because I feel like because sometimes people can be so fearful of commitment, so fearful of doing the work, not necessarily because they're lazy, but they might feel that they're not capable. They don't have anything to add or they can't they can't possibly come up with a solution. I feel like a lot of people miss out on their opportunities to impact the world. And as a result, those who are waiting desperately for us um, to use and share the gifts that we've been given with the world, those people also go un, unhelped. You know, they, they don't get the, the, the motivation, the inspiration, the, the content, the resources, the knowledge. They don't get that from us. They don't, they don't get to become their best selves because we shared our gift with them. So I feel like that would be a learning lesson to a lot of people is if there is something that is bothering you, really dig into that and and find out what what it is what is it that's been placed inside of you that's triggering you and and what is it that you know you can do to fix that situation you don't have to be an expert some people think that oh i don't know enough and no one wants to hear what i have to say or i don't have the right educational background none of that makes sense because god always qualifies who he calls and he validates who he calls it's not the world who validates and qualifies us it's god who does that so as long as you know there's something within you that you're supposed to do it doesn't matter what you don't have as long as you are playing in the sphere that you've been designed to operate in you'll be just fine I love it. Now, I'm going to need your help, Tamar. Sure. I need your help here. If I come to, to Toronto, where should I go for oh food? Where, where's the best oh restaurant? Oh, my gosh. So, you know what? The great thing about Toronto is that we are so multicultural. There's a lot of different mm -hmm. types of food. So I'm um, from the, the Caribbean. So my my parents, uh, my mom is from Jamaica. My dad is from St. Kitts. So there's a lot of um, Caribbean restaurants in Toronto. Um, there is an area called Little Jamaica, which is on Eglinton. There's a lot of restaurants down there. Um, you know, there's restaurants even in the suburbs of Toronto. There's a really great restaurant called Onyx, uh, which is a Jamaican sports bar as well. They have amazing food there. Um, it really just depends on what, what you're looking for, where you're going. But I think the great thing about the city is 
you know, just being able to explore. Like we have different areas. We have Koreatown, Chinatown, little Jamaica, little Italy, little Portugal. There's so many different cultural spaces that you could walk into and just explore. So it really just depends on, on what your, uh, what your taste buds are wanting at that moment. But I'm down. I'm down for yeah. little little Jamaica. I'm I'm down for that. I'm down uh, to explore any uh, dishes there and mm-hmm. to embrace new cultures. Um, now we do pride ourselves here on making really great strategic partnerships mm-hmm. and strategic connections. And I know we talked about uh, potentially working with school systems. So let's say a school system is listening in or somebody who represents a school system, or maybe you can uh, also let us know of a couple other strategic partnerships that would be good. Um, how, what is the process of working with you um, and, and uh, putting so that the alliance together? The thing about working with us is that, you know, we're always very clear on what it is that we're looking for. And there's always a direct line of connection um, to me and to also the leaders that are on my team as well. So anyone who is interested in connecting with us in any capacity, whether it's, you know, to hire us, to redesign curriculum, to, you know, increase the capacity of your teachers, or even just to hire us to run, um, you know, one of our popular innovative programs, whether it be coding, VR, AR, um, entrepreneurship, UX design, gaming, you know, they can reach out to us on our website at techspark.ca. We have a really great form that kind of goes through all the details and asks all the right questions. So we know exactly what you're looking for and what you need to do, who you need to speak with. And, um, and then we can, you know, take it from there. So definitely connecting with schools who um, see the value in the work that we're doing, who see the challenges and um, who are open to ambitious and innovative approaches to solving um, systemic issues. We're definitely the organization um, for you. And for any philanthropists that may be listening um, or any corporate organizations or leaders of corporate organizations who would also benefit from the work that we're doing as well, because our goal is to really, you know, create um, students who are, I shouldn't even say create students. I feel like what we do is we, we pull out the greatness that's already within the students. So we already believe that the students are already mm-hmm. great and that greatness exists within them. It's really about we're the mirror that we hold up to the students so that they can see that reflection for themselves and they can believe that and then go after what is rightfully theirs. And so our goal is to create a generation of creators and innovators, um, you know, a diverse pool of candidates who, you know, organizations like Google would definitely need to hire or any other startup organization or, um, you know, creating entrepreneurs and working with organizations who want to invest in um, innovative entrepreneurial ideas. So banks, you know, any other technology-based organization um, that really has a strong, um, I would say, community investment strategy, you know, that cares about entrepreneurship, that cares mm-hmm. about education. Um, definitely, we, we're an amazing organization um, for that as well. Um, because we're we're all about results. Ambitious results is, is definitely what our organization is is all about producing and um, creating change and, and making people feel like their investment, whether it be their time, um, their mind or their money, um, is definitely being put to good use. 
I love it. I definitely want to continue uh, communicating with you because in the future, we're going to be having some uh, conferences uh, in person and virtual conferences. I think you would be a really great addition uh, to those conversations. And I also think uh, those who are having other conferences or other speaking engagements, I think you'd be a really great addition uh, on on those stages because I think you have a unique perspective. And a lot of people aren't talking about what you're talking about. A lot of people are walking past uh, education and, and merging technology, uh, those two together. And so I think it's very important to have you on all stages when we're talking about uh, Black equity or we're just talking about uh, cultural relevance. Thank you. I really uh, appreciate that. Yes, I definitely uh, would welcome that opportunity as well, just to share um, you know, my perspective with the world. I think that's that's great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, we thank you for coming on the Black Equity Podcast today. Um, I know that this episode is going to be very enlightening for those who are listening in. And uh, thank you for taking time out uh, to have this conversation. Was there any uh, last remarks that you wanted uh, to say? And then also let us know how we can reach out to you well, and contact I like you to in the future. Thank you again, DJ, for um, reaching out and for seeing value in the work that uh, myself and my team at TechSpark Canada are doing. I would definitely definitely say that you know the 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 work it doesn't stop it's it's always a continuous fight um equity is something that we're always going to have to pursue and be very persistent and very vigilant about and um it can be tiresome but perseverance is something that we need to continue because without that you know we'll be failing the future um, the future generations. So that's my word of encouragement for all of those who are listening to the podcast. And um, anyone who's interested in connecting, joining our community. Um, we're growing in that area as well. So please connect with us on all social media platforms at Tech Spark Canada. And uh, my handle is at Tamar Huggins, T-A-M-A-R-H-U-G-G-I-N-S. Thank you so much. I look forward to uh, staying connected. I think I would really like to work with you, especially in the philanthropy piece, uh, connecting you with people who are looking uh, to bring the necessary resources uh, to your overall vision. I think that's where I would be a really great help uh, long term. So I definitely want to make sure that we stay in communication. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank, Thank you for you coming on the Black Take Equity care. Podcast. Thank you, Tamar, for coming on the show. What a truly a wonderful conversation uh, about tech, about education, about the different educational systems between the United States and Canada. How can we link them and how do we go forward in the future? This is a very vital conversation. And then for those who are looking to pour into your organization, we invite them to head over to our show notes, head over to your website and learn more about your organization and how they can work alongside you. Thank you for coming on the Black Equity Podcast, and we look forward to many more conversations with you. Thank you for listening to the Black Equity Podcast. I am inviting you to join the exclusive Sip and Share Wine Club, which offers monthly and quarterly memberships available, deliveries of two, four, or six bottles of sweet, dry, or both wines right to your door at a 10% discount. 
only 100 monthly members accept it. Begin enjoying all the privileges and benefits that go along with belonging to the club. There is no fee to join. You only pay the cost of your wine plus tax and shipping. Two wines is $38 plus tax and shipping. Four wines is $76 plus tax and shipping. And six wines is $114 plus taxes and shipping. Once again, join the Sip and Share Wine Club. This is your invite. Only 100 monthly members accepted.